We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are live. It is Monday morning. My name is Rob Doster. The guy you see next to me is Jeff Goodman. We are the Field of 68. This is the Field of 68 Best Bets Podcast. If you're watching on the live stream, give me one second while I hit retweet. Try to get people into this uh, into this feed. Jeffrey probably hitting retweet as we speak as well. Um, if you're listening to this on the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe. That's the best way to help us grow this channel, grow this podcast, grow everything about this network. Uh, before we actually dive into the games, I just want to tell you guys a little bit about Homefield Apparel. Uh, they are a independently owned, officially licensed uh, collegiate apparel company. Um, really good people that run it. It's really cool what they do as well. They mine all of the old logos and all of the low, old patterns uh, for your favorite programs and your favorite universities, whether it's the basketball teams, the football teams, whatever. And they take those old logos and they recreate them and they redesign them and they slap them on t-shirts and they slap them on hoodies and they slap them on joggers and they slap them on any kind of gear that you could possibly want to wear. Uh, It all fits well. It's all really comfortable. The t-shirts, Jeff, you know this, they don't have the saggy necks. They're nice and tight around the arms. When you wash them, they don't start fraying out at the waist. It's Everything about the T-shirt is exactly the way that I like to wear my T-shirt. So uh, if you go to homefieldapparel.com, you can get 20% off your first purchase with the promo code FIELDOF68. And if you go there and you don't see the programs or your favorite team listed among the programs that they have available, just tweet at them at homefieldapparel. There's no E in apparel. That's homefieldapparel. Tweet at them and let them know what what programs and what teams and what schools you want to see uh, up there. I know of a couple that might be coming in the pipeline. Big names. Big names, Jeffrey. Big names. That's what we call a tease in the industry. You break the news. I can't do it. I, I can't do it. Can't All right. Do it. All right. So, I am sworn to secrecy, but they're big. Yeah. They're big. They're going to be fun. All right. Uh, before we dive in today's delicious slate of games, let's put it like that. Um, I want to I wanna, I wanna talk – I want to talk with you a little bit about uh, what happened this weekend in college hoops. Lots of big storylines, lots of things to discuss. Uh, Let's put Baylor Gonzaga getting canceled on the back burner for now because Sunday night we saw your Kentucky Wildcats lose by 17 points to a Georgia (laughs) Tech team that lost to Georgia Southern and that lost to Mercer. That is not a good thing for the man down in Oxygen. You're, you're mixing up your Georgias. They lost to Georgia State, not Georgia Southern. 
Big Whatever guy. it was, it was it wasn't Georgia. It wasn't the Atlanta Hawks. It was not a team that Georgia Tech should be losing to. Yes, that's very true. Very, very true. Uh, listen, uh, Kentucky sucked, and they've honestly they haven't looked good so far this year for the most part. Um, you know, they they kept it close with with Kansas. They kept it sort of close with Richmond. Yesterday was an embarrassment. Uh, I didn't hear Calipari's post game, but you know, to me again. There was no energy. Um, there was no fight. There was nothing at the end of that game when I thought that they were going to fight back and have a chance because that's what John Calipari's team generally do. And, and listen, I, I I tweeted it yesterday, and people don't know where to stand with me with Kentucky, right? And, and my take on this is, listen, I'm not completely bought into them. I'm not. I had them ranked lower than everybody in the preseason. But what I will say is you got to give them a little bit of a break here early. Because they didn't have a summer. We talked about this, Rob. A team that had nobody back. Keon Brooks, the only player who played for Kentucky last year. He's hurt right now. Um, So they didn't have a summer, number one. Um, Number two, they went up against two teams of these three that they lost to that are super experienced. You know, Georgia Tech, all juniors and seniors. Richmond, four seniors. So it, it it was a bad way to start the season. Having said that, Rob, having said that, I'm not completely bought in that this Kentucky team is going to look like most of the Kentucky teams of old because right now I'm worried about Devin Askew and I'm worried about yes. their perfect shooting. But it's more point guard play than anything else right now. Their defense is is not great. It wasn't great yesterday, but it's going to be fine. It's their offense that has me very, very concerned and Devin Askew in the point guard position in particular. Yeah, I would just urge people to remember the 2000. 2000- 19 season if 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 you've forgotten Jeff that was the year when Zion Williamson played in college basketball I think you might have heard of that guy and Kentucky played Duke in the Champions Classic and lost by a million right I don't remember what the actual score was but they lost by a million we gave and, Duke a national title that night we handed him yeah. a national title that night yeah we did and then Kentucky you know they took some lumps I think they lost to Seton Hall in the garden there might have been a They lost to someone else at some point that year, and they looked really bad against all of the mid-major teams that they played at the end of November and in early December. And then once they started figuring things out, um, they they ended up coming – I think they they made it to the Elite Eight that year, and then they lost to Auburn in the Elite Eight. I think I have the the years right on this. That all kind of blends together. But they ended up being a really good team. P.J. Washington turned into, you know, an All-American kind of player. Um, So to me – that is evidence of this Kentucky team. Like there's a chance that they can figure it out for all the things that you mentioned. Like they're behind in their development because they are so young. They are so new. They didn't have a normal summer and they didn't have all of those uh, smaller schools that they could beat up on to kind of figure out the rotations, figure out who's getting shots in certain spots, all of that stuff. And when you have such a new team and you do not have any kind of presence at the point to kind of carry you through whatever you need to carry, get carried through. It's, it's a bad combination of things. So um, they are a very bad basketball team right now, and I think everybody can agree with that. I think John Calipari would admit that. Oh, but yeah. don't don't write this team off. There's too much talent on the roster. You know what? When they they're going to figure things out, and when they figure things out, they are going to once again be one of the better teams in the SEC. They're just starting at a point that's lower than we've ever seen Kentucky start for a number of different reasons. There's a lot that goes into it. And they can't make shots. I mean, again, Brandon Boston can't make shots. 
I, I'm laughing at the Terrence Clark should play point guard uh, situation right now because I, I think it's no no chance. To me, I, I think it would be a horrible idea. I think then you honestly, what you do is you crush Devin Askew's confidence and Davion Mintz, and it's not a long-term solution. It's not. Like, Terrence Clark is not a point guard. Um, I don't know what he is. I mean, he, he's a wing who doesn't shoot it great, who can get to the basket. He's great in transition. He had a great game yesterday. He did. But Terrence Clark's trying to figure himself out right now. And to add to a freshman in game number four or five or whatever it's going to be, to play the point guard position, a position he's never played before, it, it, it would be stupid. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily totally disagree. I do think what they should do is use Davion Mitts and Terrence Clark together and allow Terrence Clark to kind of be the initiator and the playmaker in the half court because Mintz can space the floor a little bit. I mean, they did that, I think it was the 2019 team when they kind of moved Quad A off the ball um, and and kind of let other people like handle the playmaking in the half court and, and use Quad A just as a guy that can space the floor as a shooter that can give you a little bit more room to operate. So um, I do think that that is something that, uh, is worth looking at. But again, like there's just so many pieces that Kentucky has to put together to try to figure this thing out that it's it, it's yeah, going well, to be a little process. Point guard play. Point guard yep. play. Ask you. You're not going anywhere without Devin Askew. So you got to figure him out. And, and mm-hmm. to me, you don't want to crush his confidence. And I think by, again, like you said, what do you want to do? You want to help him. You want to bring him along. So if that's saying, hey, you know what? You're not going to be the the, the point guard who's got everything on his shoulders, we're going to throw Davion Mintz out there, who's a veteran. When you're out there, we're going to throw Olivier Saar out there, who's a veteran, and, and we'll, we'll surround you by a couple more freshmen. And, again, Keon Brooks would help this team right now. He would. He He's not a, a lottery pick. As I tweeted last night, and I got a lot of shit for it. I, I said uh, uh, Terrence Clark may have played with more pros at Brewster Academy than he uh, is currently at Kentucky. I was being sort of uh, facetious on that one. But uh, right now, listen, the only guy who's played well to me so far, who's played better than I thought, is Isaiah Jackson. He's the only one who me has looked better. I mean, Brandon Boston can't make a shot. Terrence Clark's not a three-point shooter. Mintz hasn't made a shot. Saar has been very underwhelming. Like, I thought Olivier Saar would be a guy they could count on. And, and defensively, they were a mess last night when it mattered. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like it's hard for all of these new pieces to come together and, and figure things out when they don't have all those practices. Right. It's almost like the teams that we're seeing have the most success right now, whether it's Baylor or Gonzaga or someone like a Texas or someone like a West Virginia, the teams that have been, or in Iowa, the teams that have been the most impressive are the ones that brought all of these pieces back because right. they already know what they're supposed to be doing. All right. Um, I don't think there's anything. I, I don't think we'll be reinventing the wheel. If we talk about Baylor and Gonzaga at all, I just want to make the point that the black eye, it's not a black eye on the sport of college basketball that Baylor and Gonzaga got canceled because of positive COVID tests. That's something that is going to happen in college basketball in the 2021 season. It's, it's just going to, to me, this was the process working, right? Players are obviously going to want to play. Coaches are going to go until they're told they're not allowed to play, right? Positive tests came in. Indiana health officials stepped in and said, we cannot play this game. The coaches and the players said, well, that fucking sucks, but okay, that's what we got to do. The black eye on college basketball was when this exact same thing happened in Florida 
last Friday between Gonzaga and Auburn, and that game got played. You have to come to terms with the fact that we are going to have games canceled when we are flying people all over the country to play these games. If you want to have a season, you got to deal with the fact that 20 to 25% of them are not going to go off as scheduled. You just got to accept it. And when it happens, you have to understand that it's the process, that it's the safety protocols, that is us doing everything we can do to make this as safe as possible with the caveat that playing basketball in the middle of a pandemic is never going to be safe. So I just had to get that out. Well, the, the mistake that Scott Drew and, and, and Mark Few made was not having the game in Florida. I mean, honestly, that was the mistake. ESPN wanted it in Indianapolis. And really, and again, I get it. Everybody's not looking. And this is part of the problem is everything moves so quick right now. And people aren't looking far enough ahead, uh, whether it's ESPN, whether it's Scott Drew and, and Mark Few thinking, okay, what's the state that's going to be most lenient? Because we're going to play. Our players are going to play. We saw that down in Fort Myers. Auburn played. Right, Auburn played against Gonzaga when they had that one positive test. But in Indiana, different deal. No, no, you're not allowed it when you have positive tests. Um, ultimately, that was their biggest mistake. And, and it sucks because, again, the sport really uh, needed it in a way, I guess. I mean, I don't know how much it needed it. It just needs to continue kind of as is. I looked at it today, you know, in the top 25 that I'm going to publish here in a little bit. I think there's only three or four schools shut down right now. So as long as that's the case, I keep saying life will go on. We'll be fine. I mean, you can shut down again twice within about a month that they've been shut down. Uh, it, it sucks. But again, college basketball is going to go on without UConn. And other than UConn fans, not a lot of people are going to care. Yeah. I mean, the the big thing, the big frustration point for me is the difference in – protocols and the difference in requirements across conferences and across teams and across states. But like we can complain about no centralized leadership and no centralized decision-making in the NCAA, but it's basically just mirroring what's going on in the country at large. So um, I'll get get off my soapbox on this one. The only thing I'll say is like, I just wish like Mark Emmert wasn't like hiding in a bunker or probably on a beach somewhere. Like, and he came out and, was, was visible and tried to explain even why the NCAA can't make these But it is up to the states and the conferences. Because I think, unfortunately, a, a lot is thrown at Mark Emmert, even by people like me, that probably is unjust with this particular instance. But overall, he deserves it from everything that's happened in the past. Yeah, yeah. The 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 fact that we're in a situation where there is such a lack of centralized decision making in the NCAA falls on their shoulders. Like they put themselves in a position where something like this could be disastrous for the sport. And like I don't want to say what's happening is disastrous. Like I think it's actually been been pretty close to like a best case scenario that we could have asked for, all things considered. Um, But they just the best case scenario, Rob, is what I think you and I talked about months ago which is ultimately that they should have had these non-conference bubbles regionally where every team could have driven to these bubbles, quarantined for multiple days, and just played each other as many times as humanly possible. Sort of like what went on at Mohegan Sun, but you had teams flying in from around the country. It, it, didn't, it wasn't logical. Um, I, I feel like if you had done that and had testing at one site, figured out the best place that could be um, accurate, uh, inexpensive. Well, I mean, yeah, but again, Jeff, like that – 
That takes organization. That takes leadership. That takes top-down decision-making, and that's what we don't have uh, in this sport. Anything anything else stand out to you from um, the weekend? You got any other hot takes? I got one. Uh, I got one that I got to I got to get off real quick. Colin Gillespie is uh, is the most valuable player in the biggies. And the reason that he's not the best player, I don't even think he's the best player on his team, but Villanova just does not have anyone that can do the things that he can do, that can run an offense the way that he can run an offense. And we saw that they're done without him. him. Um, And it's not just that it's the fact that I think the swing skill for, um, for Villanova as a team is their ability to prevent dribble penetration and I know like Villanova does all that switching in the half court and, and it's not always going to be Colin Gillespie, but he probably does the largest share of the work defensively at the point of attack on, on opposing point guards. So not only is he so valuable offensively in terms of, of being the only point guard on the roster, but he's the guy that kind of is going to be the anchor. Uh, well, not the anchor, going to be the, the guy at the point of attack for their defense, which is what is kind of lacking for them. So to me, it's like Colin Gillespie is going to be the guy that determines just how far Villanova goes this season, and if they truly are a top five team, and to be honest, like they look like it against Texas, who I think is very, very, very good. They are good. Like Texas, I, I, I said this. Like Texas was playing with house money. If they beat Villanova, it's a hell of a win. But they already had beaten Indiana and North Carolina. Shocker, smart. Listen, if you're a Texas fan, you're ecstatic. They put themselves in good position right now. Uh, done exactly more than what people thought they'd do to this point. And I think unless the bottom falls out, Shocker Smart should be able to get this team cruising into the NCAA tournament this year. All right, the most impressive thing for me this weekend, Robert? What's that? The Houston Cougars. Houston yes, Cougars. Yes, yes, I mean, think about this. They're without not only their head coach, Kelvin Sampson, but they're without their coach in waiting, Kellen Sampson. They're without their best player, right, Caleb Mills, their leading scorer. They're without, I think, Marcus Sasser also. And they go beat. South Carolina kind of going away at the end. They pulled away. Um, man, I, I got them ranked at like number four or five right now. They, they, they beat Texas Tech. Now, they got Texas Tech at the right time because uh, Chris Spears still trying to figure out this program. But ultimately, they've now beaten Texas Tech and a South Carolina team that a lot of people thought would be a fringe NCAA tournament team. And again, they beat them without their two top coaches and two of their top players and, and beat them by basically double figures. That's a hell of a win. Yeah, no, it really is. It really is. I I, I wrote about that in um in my newsletter today. They just if you combine the number of quality guards that they have, the fact that they have enough big men to to continue to win on the glass the way that they've always won on the glass, the way that they defend, and the fact that Kelvin Sampson is like as good of a um, game plan scheme coach as you're going to find in college basketball, like that's that's a very very dangerous team that that should be getting more hype as a potential. Uh, final four contender. Um, Tramel just hopped into the the chat and said, uh, we got to talk about Mizzou. Um, so, yes, Conzo Martin, 3 0, uh, one at Wichita State, beat yep. up on Oregon. Uh, I'm still not 100% sold on, on Missouri. I've, I've bought into Conzo Martin before and, and been burned, but uh, the early returns this season have been very, very impressive with Missouri. I did not think that they would get there. All right. Let's talk about tonight's slate. It's going to be a quick one. There aren't a lot of good games, and that is uh, putting it mildly. Uh, But I do have three plays that I like. Well, two plays that I like and one where you kind of got to wait on a little bit of of an injury um, and and, uh, playing time decision. So um, I'm going to start, Goodman. I'm going to say 
Uh, my first pick is Richmond minus 14 at home against Wofford. Um, what Wofford has done with Mike Young, what they did last year under Jay McCauley is run shooters off of down screens. Run, 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 run. It's almost like a windmill, right? Like what we saw um, with Fletcher McGee is basically what they were doing last year with uh, with with um, with a couple of seniors, and they lost both of those seniors, Nathan Hoover, and I'm blanking on the name of the other guy. Someone yeah, will probably remember. Shooter. But but they uh, they lost their two most voluminous shooters. Um, kind of changes what they want to do offensively now. Uh, Storm Murphy is back, and they do get the big kid from South Florida, BJ Mack, eligible. But it's going to be a different Wofford team. They they haven't played a Division One program yet this season, and the first game that they get against that level of competition is a Richmond team that just went into Rupp Arena and beat Kentucky by twelve. Um, so you know, I don't think Tokyo, Tokyo Falls. Any respect? Is that what you? <laughs> I mean, it, I. I respect their ability to make numbers look really good for the teams that they play. Let's put All it right. like that. So I like Richmond minus 14. Yeah, um, I, do. I do too. I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Um, I'll go with Arizona and a, I mean, they just don't a lot of great game. I mean, there, there aren't a lot of good games tonight. So you're, you're going to be kind of uh, cherry picking what you can here. Uh, Arizona plays in NAU. It was supposed to happen. I think in the opener and it got canceled because NAU shut down. Arizona's given 21. They're young. Um, but I think this is this is the Jack Murphy Bowl. Jack Murphy, now the assistant at Arizona, used to be the head coach at NAU. Oh, there you go. There you go, Goodman. Not turning your notifications off. Shocker. Professional, well, professional operation. I got, I got, you got breaking down info for you. You want a breaking info, I have it for you. Give it to me. What do you got? Well, you wanted to know what was going on with Lipscomb and their, and their top players because or a couple of their good players. You asked me. For the info. Yeah, Tommy Moore and KJ Johnson. What do you got? I'm delivering. They're not going to play. Not playing. Okay, that changes things for me then. I was going to be on Lipscomb uh, minus five if those two were playing. But if those starting two guards backboard. are – Starting yeah. backboard is what Lenny Acuff uh, has there with, with, with those two guys. So, go ahead. Yeah. You're going to stay away now? Yeah, I'm probably going to say – I might even look at, at Southeast Missouri. But it, it's just, you know, the whole, the whole theory in that was that Lipscomb – uh, is favored by seven on Kempom. They're only laying five um, at the books. Yep. Uh, and if we knew they were going to be at full strength, that's just too much value for the team pick to win the Atlantic Sun going up against the 10th place team in the yep. Valley on the road. Uh, but, you know, if you don't have your starting backcourt, then it's very hard to kind of get excited about that line. So I'll probably end up staying away. Um, last one I got. You, Loyola don't Mary me, you don't even let me finish with NAU. Right. It's going to be a bad pick. Like, why? Go ahead. ahead. Maybe, but it may be a really good pick. And and then you're costing all these people a lot of money. We'll see. Let's see what you got. I feel in that way. Let's see what you got, Goodman. Let's see what you got. I'm I'm laying the points. I think it's 20 right now. What is it, 20? Arizona over at AU. James Akinjo, Jordan Brown. Akinjo experienced um, transfer from Georgetown. Uh, Jordan Brown, remember McDonald's All American. Who transferred from Nevada, and they got a bunch mm-hmm. of young dudes, but they got um, they got some talented young guys for the most part, uh, and they're laying twenty ish against NAU. In NAU is playing its first game, Robert, first game of the season because they came out of quarantine. So again, Jack Murphy is going to want to uh, beat the living crap out of his former uh, program that he got basically uh, let go 
or I don't know if he left, you know, before being let go. Um, so I'm, I'm laying the points there for Arizona. Yeah, um, Arizona on – when did they play? I think it was Friday, maybe Saturday. Uh, yeah, they they, they, they Who did they play? Was it – Eastern Washington. I think it was, it was Eastern Washington, and they won by three. Yep. Yeah, I, no, I get it. I get it. But, again, once you get a couple games under your belt and you play a team that hasn't played a game who's coming off a, a quarantine, I don't know. I just feel like, again – Well, I mean, that's – yeah, again, like that's that's the logic is that you're buying Arizona low and Northern Arizona has not played. They, they've they been out of practices. They, I'm assuming that um, they are probably not going to be in shape the way that Arizona is in shape. So I get it. It's just, yep. you know, they, they, they barely put away uh, Eastern Washington. All right, the last one I got is Loyola Marymount. Um, they're getting four and a half points right. on Ken Palm. My on guy, Ken Palm. Huh? My guy. It's oh, my yeah, guy. yeah, all right. Marymount. Yeah. Yep, yep. Kelly Leapu. Lea Lea Leo Pepe. Pepe. Kelly Leo Pepe. All right, just tell the people about him. Go ahead. Kelly Leo Pepe. Stud. I mean, if you want to see the guy with probably the best hair in college basketball history, you need to watch Paul Marymount and Kelly Leo Pepe. He is a beast, an absolute beast. And uh, I am president of the Kelly Leo Pepe fan club. So I'm going to ride LMU, Stan Johnson. Lea Pepe all season long, Rob. All season long. Yep. So uh, Kelly Lea Pepe, this is we're we're a pro Kelly Lea Pepe podcast here. Um, Loyola Marymount, uh, yes. they are they're getting four and a half on Ken Palm. They should only be getting two, which is uh, enough of a difference for me to to take some interest and kind of look deeper into it. Um, Loyola gets back three players that were starters in 2019 that took the the 2020 season off. Uh, so I think that that's relevant. Um, there you go. There's Kelly Leah Pepe. You're not in, anywhere near HD down in your Charleston hotel, so no one can see that. But yes, really? that bad. Yes, it's uh, the kid's got a great mullet. Um, so uh, they also have your boy Kelly, and they bring back a kid named Eli Scott, who uh, we played this this guessing game earlier. Goodman, he was the uh, he was on the Lamelo Ball, Lonzo Ball, LiAngelo Ball on Yeko Congo Chino Hills team. Back in 2000, and I think it was 2018. So um, they got some good players. They're older than people realize. Uh, they have more veteran talent than people realize. Now, Santa Barbara is really talented. They have five guys on their roster that played uh, high major basketball at some point. But there's also a reason that a lot of those guys are no longer playing high major basketball. So um, I like Loyola. I like the points. Uh, but I do understand like why that number is probably a little bit bigger than what Kempom is, is projecting. But I'll be on loyal in that spot. Anything you know else, Goodman? Yeah, you know what I like? I like the fact that tomorrow we are going to have a loaded slate to talk. Oh, about. it's insane! Like, loaded. I'm like I'm looking down right now, and I'm like Creighton, Kansas, North Carolina, Iowa. Like, let please Illinois, Duke. Please let all these games go off tomorrow. ACC, Big Ten Challenge, some other games as well. Like we need. All of this tomorrow. My wife's going to yell at me, but there's a place in Charleston right across the street. Like, literally, I can walk to it. Like, one of those old, you know, like, beach uh, restaurants with uh, with all the TVs outside. Yeah, you're going to know where to find me tomorrow night. Wear a mask, Goodman. If you're listening to this podcast still, please wear a mask and shop at Home Field Apparel. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.